Titus women trust that Jesus is enough to meet every need and satisfy every heart. Praying you will be encouraged and strengthened through this message. Sweetness, that's what he invited me into. 
And then as I read it, there are four chapters, and the four chapters all seem to give one characteristic of living in the overflow, one characteristic of the spirit-filled life. And so what I want us to do tonight is look at four passages of scripture, one from each chapter, and what I'm hoping this is going to do is make you curious to go back and dig in for yourself, because you're going to be like, cricket, you're skipping over some really good stuff, but I can't do a whole book. So and we're going we're gonna to have four words and four passages of scripture, and then I'm I think that as we look at what does this mean and what does it look like in the worst possible circumstances. Now, listen, these secrets of the spirit-filled life, that's what Jesus kind of whispered to me. These are secrets of the spirit-filled life. All they apply to everyone who allows himself to be given, who gives their whole life to Jesus and receives his his indwelling Holy Spirit. These aren't just for Paul. This is for anyone who says yes. And so it can be, you can be on the battlefield in Ukraine and these secrets will work. You can be taking care of someone who's ill and these secrets will work. You can be a mom of 10 children and these secrets will be true of your life. That when the Spirit of God comes, this is what he does in human life. And so the first one I want us to read is Philippians 1. And we're going to skip over some good stuff. We're going to start in verse 19. Verse 19 to 26. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. He's in prison. And he's, um, he's, he's waiting to find out what's going to happen. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so also Christ will be magnified in my body. Whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I can choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, that's our word, confident. Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with all, you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. All right, our first word is confident. And what I love is this word is repeated three times in this chapter. This is the last time. One of my favorite memories of my dad is getting up in the morning, he'd be having his devotions in the living room, and he had his little colored pencil. And he, he liked to do Bible say, like Carolyn, he's underlining all the names of God and all the repeated words, and they all had colors, and he had all the codes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that this word confident is repeated three times in Philippians 1. Paul is confident. And he's not confident in himself because he's sitting in a jail cell. He's not confident that he's doing a great job. He's really figured this evangelism thing out. He's in a jail cell. Here's what he's confident in. And this is, I think, the first and maybe the most important key, the one that determines all the others of the spirit for life. He was confident in his relatedness to the Father. He was confident in his relatedness to the Father, his relationship with the Son, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. He was perfectly at home in the heart of God. And he didn't come saying, well, I'm not this, or I'm not that, or I'm not getting it right, or I'm not. No, he just was confident. And if you look for the other two places the word confidence used, you know what you're going to find is the first one. He says, he's confident in his prayers. So I pray this for my children all the time. Because he who began, I'm confident of this. He who began a good work in you is going to finish it. So he's not praying under the burden and with depression. He's like, oh, no, my God is so good. He's going to finish the work he's begun in us. And then the next time he uses it, it's about his witness. 
okay? So he's in prison. He said, you know, the funniest thing is happening. Because I'm talking to my guard about Jesus, and there's some people coming in, and they're talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, everybody in the whole palace guard is talking about Jesus. And the name of Jesus Christ is going out. He was confident. And then he said, well, now the bad news is some people are doing it for selfish gain. And I want us to recognize that it is possible to use the name of Jesus for selfish gain. And we have to be so careful we do. If we do that, even for a moment, then he will step in to protect his name. And we don't want, to, we don't want that. But Paul says, well, I'm not even worried about that. God's going to handle that. I am confident in the God who can take care of his own name. It's not my job. I don't have to micromanage how the gospel gets out. I give my witness. I talk to the people next to me. They're talking, and the witness is going out. And it is God's business to sort all the other things out. I'm confident. And then this last one, he says, I'm confident about my future. Because I have two options. Either I'm going to die, or I'm going to stay here with you. I'm either going to meet Jesus face to face, or I'm going to be here. Now, he said, meeting you face to face, Jesus is best. Now, I want you to think about this. He's in the prison cell. There's an intimacy with Jesus that says, you know what? If this is my last day, it's okay. Because I'm going to meet Jesus. And then he says, but you know what's probably going to happen? He's probably going to leave me here because he knows that you need me. So I'm going to be here. I'm pretty sure that your prayers and the Holy Spirit, are. there's going to be deliverance. And But my confidence is that God is in control of all of this. Now, ladies, sometimes I think we try to serve the Lord, or we try to pour out or make a full surrender, or we try to do something for Jesus, but we are not quite confident in our relatedness. And one thing I want us to say is, today, is that he stands with arms open wide for all of us, whatever our background is. For all of us, he stands arms open wide, whatever our future is. He says, you are welcome in my heart. And I want to come, and it says in John 14, I want to come and make my home in your heart. And I want there to be this indwelling. You live in me, and I live in you. And that is what full surrender means. And the funny thing is, we get so afraid. Oh, no, we might take this. Or, oh, no, we might take that. Or, oh, no, oh, no, what will it mean? I want to tell you this. As loudly as I can, you cannot outgive Jesus. Whatever you give to him, he will give back to you 10,000 times more. It may not be in the way you expect, but I tell you what, you cannot outgive our God. So if he's putting his finger on something in your life and saying, why don't you hand that relationship over? Why don't you hand that habit over? Why don't you hand, why don't you give all of yourself to me? Let me tell you, just run and do it. Don't wait. I remember hearing my grandfather preach one time on the rich young ruler. And he said, my heart grieves so much because when he met Jesus face to face in eternity, I think these are probably the words Jesus spoke to him. You had an opportunity to give it all. And you walked away. One of the things that I, is part of my story, is that about seven years ago, my husband was diagnosed with a debilitating muscle disease. That is getting worse. So at the beginning, it wasn't too bad. But we're now in this stage where adjustments are having to be made kind of all the time. And we're kind of a funny, a funny family. It snowed in the winter, and I'm out shoveling snow, and he's making a gourmet breakfast. 
So anything that requires walking is very difficult to do. So we go to the grocery store and he tells me what to buy and I run in and buy it. So we're, we're the most funny, unusual pair in the world. One of the things that living with a chronic, long-term debilitating illness does is all of a sudden you're thinking, time takes on a different meaning. And the number one thing you want in your mind is no regret. No regret. Don't let me say a word that I will regret Don't let me not say a word that I will have wished I would have spoken. And I watched him every day get up, the effort of giving dress, and going to his work. And there is a wholeheartedness that says, I'm going to live every minute for the love of God and for the love of the people God has given me. And I will give all that I have for that. And do you know when sometimes there's a limit and you don't think, oh, it's kind of out there somewhere, but all of a sudden the clock is ticking and all of a sudden you think, I'm all in. I'm all in. And that's been, as I've watched him, I thought, that's, that's how I want to be with Matt. That's how I want to be with Jesus. Jesus, I'm all in. There is no other story for me. I love Jesus. And do you know, I think even if you've done it as a child, there comes a probably in your 40s that you may, and maybe again in our 60s or 70s, we don't know yet, but there comes a moment, right, where you have to say, I choose it again. I made that decision when I was a teenager, but I stand on that decision. I will not change. My identity comes from my relatedness to Heavenly Father and His Son and His Holy and the temptations as we get a little older change, and they are more subtle. And there has to be a claiming of our experience of him. If you are here, and there's been an experience where you have given all of you for Jesus, the devil wants us to say, no, you're probably going to mess up tomorrow. No, it's not going to, you better not say anything. You better not claim all of me for all of Jesus. But do you know what? Sam Rangel said, speak it out. See, there's no other love in my heart. He is my one and only for now and for forever. And it is not about performance, right? It is about his love. It is about that I am at home in his heart and he's at home in my heart. And as we think about Paul, this was his, this was his reality. He had every reason for discouragement. He was writing to a little tiny group of people that started with one lady who opened up a church in her home. It wasn't like he was speaking to the whole Christian world. The Christian world was tiny. So there he was. My heart belongs to him, and I can't wait to see him face to face. And whatever he has for me is good, and I'm all in. And guess what? Because I'm all in, all these other people are learning about the name of Jesus. When we want the spirit-filled life, all it requires is that we just say, Jesus, I give you all of me, and I receive all of you. And I think when we do that, there comes a freedom. Not only is the word quickened, there comes a freedom to live with a confidence. You know, the devil wants to get us women more than anything else with insecurity. We're either overconfident because we did so well or super insecure because we didn't go well, right? We're bouncing between. Because I don't want either one of those. I am your hope. I am your way forward. And I have found that the very best thing for not comparing myself to other women or just to say, my heart belongs to Jesus. He's asked me to do this one thing, take care of these people. That's my job. And three cheers that he's asked her to do that. Isn't she good at it? Because then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden you're cheering for each other. Because Jesus doesn't have to do everything. We don't have unlimited strength, unlimited intelligence. No. He just has one specific job that he needs us to do. And we say, I'm all in. 
like Paul. The first word, promise. The second word is self-giving love. Now, you could also, every one of these, as you go back, if you do your personal Bible study, he might give you a slight variation because this could also be freedom. But it's the freedom to give ourselves away. But think, listen how, how Philippians 2 starts. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Now, I used to always think, isn't it weird? He starts with if, 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 if. But here's the thing. If our love, our security, our comfort, our confidence comes from the heart of God, then we can have the mind of Christ. If we receive our our affection, our mercy, if we receive all those beautiful things from his heart, then we have the freedom to open up our minds and let the Holy Spirit in. Sometimes I think when we're trying so hard, trying to figure out how do I have my Christ? How do I give myself away? How do I do it? No, relax. Let open up your mind to the Holy Spirit and say, Father, would you give me the mind of Christ? Through the Holy Spirit, would you let his mind fill me? And then listen to what happens. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He had all the rights and privileges, right? All of them. But he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Okay, I want you to look at a couple things. Let this mind, okay, this was Jesus' mind. He said, I, am, I have all the rights of God himself. But because I do, I'm able to give myself away. He was confident in his relatedness to the Father. He knew he had a job to do, and therefore he was free to give himself away. And the sweetness is he gave himself away. He made himself of no reputation, took the form of a servant, and I love this, and he was found in human form. It's like one day he woke up, and he was probably like, I don't know, between six or seven, he was like, oh my goodness, who am I? Right? I'm a human person. And all of a sudden, you can tell, you can, I wanted to talk to him about his surprise at that moment as he began to realize who he actually was. And then he humbled himself. And you know, some of the ways he humbled himself that I love to think about are, first of all, when he was at the temple and he was talking to everybody and they were amazed at how smart he was. And then it says he came, his parents got him, he went home with them, and he obeyed them. And then for 30 years, he worked as a carpenter for his adult life, right? He was probably an apprentice. He learned from someone, and then he supported his family. He humbled himself. He got his hands dirty. He didn't come like, here I am to solve all the problems of the world. He entered into the life of us. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself. And I love my favorite example of him humbling himself. He's at the wedding of Cana, right, with his mother. And his mother comes up to him, as any good mother would do, and say, son, there's a problem. We need you to do something, right? And he says, he says, mama, it's not my time. It's not my time. And then I know, I'm, I'm sure in my imagination, this is how it went. He backed up. He said, father, is this my time? <laughs> and the father said, your mama's right. The humility involved in every part of it. He said, I'm all in. I'm all in for them. I'm all in for us. I'm all in. I will humble myself. And I will listen to the directions of my mama. And I will turn water into wine. And nobody knows it but the servants. I will humble myself for them. 
And then do you know what the next word is? And he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. If you know there's more than one word for obedience. So one of the words, it just basically means just to do exactly what it says. This word means attentively listening. Attentively listening. I love that. He attentively listened all the way to the cross. And the Father would say, do this, and he did. The Father would say, do that, and he did that. Now sometimes, as we say, unknown day, and maybe the threat of persecution is coming. Here's what I don't, the threat of persecution was coming for Jesus. And all he had to do was attentively listen to his father and take the next step. I love the story of Corey Ten because the reality was there was just a family living in really troubled times. And they had four kind of crazy aunts who lived in the top of their house. And they were always getting sick or having some kind of... And then the sisters helped take care of the aunts and helped their dad in the watch shop. And they just were kind of a normal crazy family that didn't have enough money, but just would love Jesus. And then all of a sudden the tension started to come. And you know what they did? They just loved each other. And the daddy um, would say, we love God's people. We're going to love God's people. We're going to love God's people. And then Jesus began to open up creative ways for them to practically love God's people. Oh, we can build a room in the attic. Oh, we can set up a buzzer system in the floor. Oh, we can set up a, a way to get visas, to get dudes out of the out of the out of this country. All of a sudden, they were caught up in the presence of God. But all they were doing, attentively listening to the voice of God. Jesus did that all the way to the cross. When we know we're secure in him, there's a confidence to say, all right, Jesus, I'm listening. I'm listening. Whatever you say, I'll just do the next step and the next step. And he probably won't tell us any big grand designs. He'll probably just tell us literally the next step for today. But there is a comfort in that. It's like the comfort from doing um, like that comes from doing dishes. You know, when life is very stressful, and say, okay, all I have to do is the dishes. So I'll have to do the dishes. <laughs> it's a little bit like that kind of comfort. Like, all I have to do is listen to his voice for this one minute, and then I'm probably going to But in listening, we are having the mind of Christ. In listening, we are finding a way to give ourselves away to love of the one who gave his love to us. Except it doesn't even feel like that. It feels like we get to participate in this beautiful love story that he's writing. Okay, and then the third, chapter three. This one is come, becoming more and more dear to me all the time, and I think the two words that keep coming to mind are perseverance and expectation, or expectant perseverance. Because the reality is, we make the decision, all of me follow Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I'm all in. And I'm willing to let your mind be my mind. I'm willing to humble myself right where I am, not in some ideal location, but right with this husband, with these children, with this medical diagnosis, with this financial issue, I'm willing to humble myself here and work here. And, and then I'm willing to listen to your voice here. And then there's a, there is a need for perseverance. Right? And this is where the Israelites got discouraged. Like, what? There's no water again? What? What? We need this. We need that. And he is asking us, like he asked Paul, for this long perseverance. But I think there is a joy in it because it's perseverance of love. I was at a retreat a few weeks ago, and my uh, it, I I was had a lot of responsibility, but I was tired, and it was a long drive home, and I was helping to get other people home and trying to take care of my mama, and um, it was so funny. I was like, Jesus, how am I going to do today? Like, We've already been here a long time, and I'm tired. And uh, here's what instantly came to my map, to my map, to my heart, or my mind. Matt's waiting for me. And it was 
all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we can do this. We can do this. Drive, no problem. Pack up, no problem. We got this. We got this. Now on the other side. That's what it is with Jesus. We are persevering because we get to see Jesus. We are persevering. We're not just running a race to get a prize. We are running a race to see his face. And that is something that creates in us an energy that says, yeah, I'm willing to go through anything that I might see his face. And all of a sudden, even in our hearts, even in our voices, even in our lives, like, yeah, I'm not just going around in circles. I'm going forward into his face. And I forgot to read this text first. Verse 7. The things that were gained to me, these things I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are persevering, but we are persevering in love. We are persevering with this sense that we are in this ongoing love relationship with him that gets deeper and deeper the longer we walk with him. It's like a good marriage that gets sweeter and sweeter the longer it goes. My hubby and I have been married 28 years. And so here's the reality, and we're facing empty nets. All of a sudden, he's looking at me and thinking, I'm going to spend a lot of time with this girl. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, he's not going to be able to go anywhere. So how are we going to do this? And all of a sudden, there's an invitation to fall in love all the time. And I tell you what, it's been the sweetest journey that I know only gets sweeter because it's two people that says, I knew you at 17. I knew you at 27. And now... We are in a whole new, we are in a whole new place. Listen to what Paul says that I think is so beautiful. It gives us courage. Um, um, that I may, okay, the first thing he says is for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. So I'm going to know more about Jesus. As I lay everything aside, I'm going to know more about Jesus. And sometimes we stop there, don't we? We say, well, I've learned. And like Stacy, I'm always like, I got a book to read, right? That's going to help me know all the things. And Jesus says, I went to deeper end. And then he says that I might gain him. And I might gain Christ Jesus. Oh, that I might belong to him and he might belong to me. Not having my own righteousness, that I might be, and this is verse 9, that I might be found in him. So you have this deepening intimacy. We're not persevering, doing the same thing over and over. We are walking deeper and deeper into the heart of God. And the deeper we walk into the heart of God, the more we know about the Father, the more of the Spirit is in our lives, and we find our own identity and safety in His presence. And the older we get, I think, the more life comes, and the more we think, I need a safe place. And it's not going to be my kids, and it can't be my husband, and it's not going to be my ministry, and it can't be my friends, and it can't... Where is my safe place? And Jesus says, it's me. You can find yourself in me. 
And then he says that I might know him. That I might know him. And you say, well, I've known Jesus for a long time. And I will tell you this. I think he's inviting us always deeper in. There is always more to know. And the more stretches that life throws at us, the more we're like, I want to get so I can so I can look at your face and I can say, oh, yeah, this is what he wants me to do. Oh, yeah, that's the one on his heart. Oh, yeah, he's telling me to do that. Oh, yeah, he's telling me to go to my room. Oh, yeah, he needs to pull me back for some quiet time. He wants me to know him so well that by looking at his face, by listening to his voice, I know what's on his heart. That's the way it is with any love relationship, right? He doesn't want to have to tell us always. He just sometimes wants us to know him well enough that we know what matters to him. And ladies, that's possible. That's the miracle and the invitation and the good news. It is possible to know God's heart that well and then to keep knowing it, right? So that the people you've known who've loved Jesus the longest get the sweetest, right? Because they get more and more like Jesus the longer they walk with him, and the more they've lived in the Spirit, and then the more they know him, the more they begin to look like him. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, that I might meet him in resurrection life. And then I love this, because it's like, not that I'm already there, because I have a long way to go. i got a lot more to learn. Jesus has a lot more about his death to teach me. I'm going further in. I'm going deeper in. And Paul says, I'm, I'm all in. I used to think this was performance-based. Well, I haven't. I still make mistakes. I think we should totally get that out of our mind and say, he is inviting us into his presence. And he's saying, I'm not so concerned about your, that you do everything perfectly. I'm, I'm concerned. In fact, with my midlife crisis, he was saying, I'm not concerned you walk through this season of life perfectly. I'm concerned that you know me better on the other side. <laughs> and when we know him better, it's like Paul with the palace guard. All of a sudden, people say, wait, wait, tell me about Jesus. Wait, what about? And all he gives his own witness out of a life that is all his. And then the last one is in chapter 4. And I'm going to skip over the really beautiful part that we always read. And I'm going to go to verse 10. And the word in um, the, the word for chapter 4 is contentment. Sometimes we can live it. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can say, okay, I'm in for the long haul. But my spirit has a little restlessness. I'm having trouble with contentment. But listen to what Paul says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to me, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned, both to be full, to be hungry, to abound, to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done so well to minister to me in my need. Verse 18, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The secret of a spiritual life is that he gives contentment. So Paul's in prison. He has a passion on his heart for the whole world. He's stuck. God, if it is okay, I know how to have it all. I know how to have very little. I know how to have all my needs met. I know how to live on very little. I'm not holding on. He can take. He can give. He can give. He can take. It's 
and I am content. And then do you know what happens when we have that spirit of content? We start looking around for who we can help. And so he begins to say, you shared with me. You gave to me. And then he prays, maybe the last the last that they ever received from Paul is this blessing. What if the last word you had received from him was, my God will supply all your needs. Don't you worry as you face the future. He's big enough for all the needs. And you have given so much to him. You know it is possible to love others while you're in You know it is possible to speak kind words when you're flustered. You know it is possible to live for someone else's well-being more than your own. You know it's possible to say, yes, I am going to show love even if my own heart I saw this live out this week. As some of you know, my mom was in the hospital unexpectedly on Tuesday. And I went with my mom and dad, and they um, we were there all day long. And they were running tests and doing, she did not feel well. And uh, it was a hard day. There were some disturbing results. All, it was just a hard day in every way. But finally, they let us go home. And uh, we get in the car, and my daddy gets her all situated in the front seat. And she turns around to me, and she says, I'm so glad you were there. You asked all the right questions. You helped with the nurse. You helped daddy. You helped with all the things. Thank you for giving me. Thank you for finding Thank you for asking them to be clear. Well, anyway, by the time we drove from the hospital at Chick-fil-A to get her a milkshake, I had this sense. Okay, Jesus is with us and he's going to help us. And you know what? I think most of our reactions would be on the car and be like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And like silence would have been probably where I would have gone, right? Not for her. How do I tell my daughter, thank you? In my moment of fear, how do I love someone else? It's not because my mom has a great personality, which she does. It is because my mama is holy. Because that's what the whole, that's what Paul did. I'm chained to a guard, but you're doing so good. You sent me a gift, and I can tell you're you're growing in Jesus, and He's going to meet all the needs that you have. Whenever we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it overflows. It just can't help it. And all of a sudden, you think, How is it possible that I can love through pain? How is it possible that I can walk this way with courage? I don't know, except the spirit of Jesus. How is it possible that the things we don't understand or were unexplained, how is it possible that in spite of them, he is making himself known to those around us? You know what? I think sometimes we get so afraid to say yes. And Jesus is saying, if you will let me, there will come out of your life like Matthew, like John 7, rivers of living water that will encourage and bless those around you. Now, I will tell you what I love is he says, I have learned from him. And I think sometimes we say, oh, I'm not there yet. And Jesus says, yeah, don't worry. We're just getting started with our love adventure. And I'll say, oh, I'm not like my mom. And yet he says, oh, we got a long way to go. And I'm excited for all the things that he will do. And then what do I do? I just put my hands in the hand of Jesus and just say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Because only you can put in someone like me the sweetness. That draws other people to Jesus. He can put in us living overflow of the Holy Spirit. That says, My heart's all his. Because I'm willing to have his mind with me do all the dirty practical work of love 
which means to listen attentively to the voice of God, which means to keep holding on because my beloved is waiting. And I want to know what he's looking for and what he's going to say to me. And then it's the kind of love that washes over and just keeps washing all the way to my very last breath, right? That is our invitation. That's our invitation to I read um, one of the books on the table, Isabel Kuhn, she's one of my heroes. And she said, I was, I had found Jesus in kind of a really surprising way, and I ended up in the Bible college. I wanted to be a missionary, and someone had paid my way to go to school, but I had no way to, um, I had no way, um, I didn't have money. They wouldn't let me work the first semester, so I didn't have money for my room and board. So I got there, and I said, Jesus, what am I going to do? I don't have enough money. And I, so she had one friend, and he was an old-timey missionary, and he came to check on her, and she was trying not to tell anybody about her name. She was trying to be like Hudson Taylor. Right? Just pray about it. Just tell Jesus. So he said, how are you doing? How are things working out? And she said, well, I'm not going to be able to work. So I just got to trust Jesus and figure out what he wants me to do. So they went and did their thing. And then a few days later, she called him Daddy Paige. A few days later, Daddy Paige showed up. And he said, come on, Isabel. I have someone to meet for you to meet. And she said, okay. She grabbed her coat, and then he took her around down the street and around the corner to a bank. And he, they walked into the bank, and he said to the teller, her name is Isabel Kuhn, and she wants to open a bank account and set down a $100 bill. And in those days, a $100 bill was a lot of money, and more money than she had ever had. And she said, what? What? This will pay all my needs for my semester. And she went back home, and she said, I never forgot that love gift in my heart. And she said, 20 years later, I saw him again, and I said, Daddy Page, how did you do that? Did someone leave you a lot of money? And he laughed, threw his head back and laughed. He said, oh, no. We were just old-timers in this walk of faith. It was going to be amazing. We just gave it all. We knew you were just beginning your life of faith. And we knew Jesus was your life. When we love him with all our hearts, he's so generous with us. And then he creates enough of generosity that says, hey, how can I give? Where can I give? Send me up. Not for all the things in the world, but for the things that he's laid on our hearts to say, yeah. If you've gotten stuck somewhere, maybe not quite confident that he loves you, come to me tonight. Don't, don't walk away from this goodness. If you said, you know what, I've, I've accepted him, I've even, I've even prayed to give him all of myself, but I don't think I've ever just let his mind be in me. I think I'm still trying to protect my rights. I'm still trying to protect myself. And I'm willing to lay that down tonight so he can live his life through me. Or maybe you're weary, but it's been a long road. And you just need to come here tonight and say, yeah, and I'm turning my eyes from all of these things, and I'm looking to your face. He wants to meet you here tonight. And then maybe you think, I'm kind of that. Would you be my contentment? Would you overflow in me to my children, for my husband, to the lady sitting next to me, to the lady in my cabin? If any of those are your needs tonight, I just invite you. This spirit of life is so happy to be And when we have unexpected tragedy or unexpected hurt, we find ourselves just going back into his presence for more time for the next step of our life of friendship. We just get freer and freer. Or as my mom sometimes says, freer 